This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 84 of the Are They 18 Ed podcast. In this episode, I am sharing a snippet from the School of Clinical Leadership, my program that helps pediatric clinicians gain control of their time, create leverage, and make an impact on their caseload. One of the things that I have noticed uh, from my years of experience working as a school SLP and also my experience working with other clinicians across disciplines is that it is so essential for us to work together as a team and as a united front so that we can offer integrated service delivery. So I wanted to talk today about that concept of integrated service delivery, what it means, why it's beneficial, and how to actually shift our thinking and the way that we plan our services. A lot of people, when they are thinking about what they should do with their students and how to better support their caseload, they're thinking about what they should be doing in therapy, which is obviously something that's very important, but it's not the first step. What we want to do first, before we're even thinking about what we do in therapy, is think about what that student actually needs across their day, because that's what's going to help us make better decisions about what to actually do in therapy. So we want to start big picture before we start to zoom in so that we don't get in the weeds and work in silos. So what I wanted to do today is share one of the trainings from the School of Clinical Leadership. In the School of Clinical Leadership, 
I share a number of different topics designed to help pediatric therapists, so SLPs, psych, social workers, and other service providers to provide better support for their caseloads and to be better leaders. Many times, therapists feel like they're sort of powerless to actually give kids the support that they need. And if we only think about what we're doing, and we don't think about our other resources across the board, whether it be people, relationships, or other things that we can utilize to make a bigger impact with our services, we are ultimately going to be limited. And we can use this way of thinking to make a bigger impact. And and this is going to be important, even if caseload laws get better, and we have smaller caseloads, this is going to be really essential in providing kids with good support across the day so that they can thrive. So in this video, I'm going to talk about making the shift from planning for therapy to planning for service delivery. So as I said before, this is a snippet taken out from the School of Clinical Leadership. If you are a school social worker, a psychologist, or an SLP, and actually if you're not in the school systems, but you're in the system somewhere, whether you're in a private practice or in a medical setting, and you're really focused on providing high quality services for kids, but feel like you are bumping up against many constraints in the system, then definitely check out the School of Clinical Leadership. That is exactly why I designed this program. So to get more information about how the program works, then check out the enrollment page at drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. So now please enjoy episode 84. In this video, I am going to talk about service delivery, specifically why it is our first pillar and why it's going to be something that informs all the other things that you do from here on out. So when a lot of people think about how they plan their day, how they think about their jobs as a therapist, as a teacher, a lot of times they do things backwards. So that results in us kind of operating in silos Yes, I know that a lot of people do collaborate as much as they can, but what happens is that when we think about the minutia first, so we're thinking about our lesson plans, our therapy plans, the strategies that we're doing in therapy, all of those things, it absolutely is important to spend time thinking about those things, but when we do it the wrong way and in the wrong sequence, what happens is that kids end up having these service delivery plans that are very disjointed because everyone is kind of operating in a silo. And so if you want to have more of a cohesive integrated model that works together and gets more done for students and makes a bigger impact on them and is way more effective, then we need to start with the big picture and zoom out. And so this is kind of the 30,000 foot view of, of where we want to start. Because what happens is that when we start with the big picture, what that's going to do is a number of things. First, it's going to help us figure out what kids really need. And it's going to help us be way more efficient with how we allocate the resources that we have so that we can really show up to our sessions or whatever else we're doing with more conviction that we know that we're doing the right thing. 
because a lot of times what happens is that kids might miss out on certain things that they need because there isn't clear communication. And also what happens is that sometimes there might be duplication of services, which isn't always a bad thing, depending on how it's done. There, there's certainly some overlap in scope with different providers, but what happens is that people are duplicating cert- certain services and they're missing out on other things. And as a result, kids aren't moving forward as quickly as they can. So when we start with the big picture, what that's going to help us do is figure out the high priorities for how we spend our time during the day, not just when we're actually in direct sessions or when we're doing lessons with students, but also helping us decide how we spend the rest of our time with all of the other activities that we have to do when it comes to collaborating with other people, creating resources for parents, and really developing that cohesive model. And what it can also do is help you to eliminate things that maybe aren't moving your students forward. But we can't really do that if we don't have a clear picture of what's going on within the whole system. So that's why we start with service delivery. And so what I wanted to do here is talk a little bit about uh, what all of these different terms mean and how I'm going to be able to how I'm going to be using them from here on out. And then I'm going to give you a specific example that is uh, specific to my situation that really is, is what inspired me to create this model in the first place. And it will also give you some additional context for understanding how to use it and make it, uh, customize it to your situation. So ultimately, we as therapists, as teachers, we need to think broader about how we can make an impact with our services. And a lot of times when therapists come to me with questions about how they they can serve their students better, typically because language therapy is my area of expertise, they want to know things like, you know, where do I start with language therapy? What skills should I work on? What goals should I write with my students? What activities should I do? What materials should I use? And those are all the questions that they're asking me. And, and again, all of those things are really important. But a lot of times what happens is that when, when therapists think about what do I need to be doing for my student? They're thinking very specifically about one particular model. And in many cases, what they're doing is thinking just about what they're doing when they are in a direct therapy setting with their student. And they're not thinking about all the other things they can do outside of that therapy session in order to help the student to apply the skills that they might be teaching them in that particular session. And they're also not necessarily thinking about the other ways they can leverage their expertise to help that student get support across all of the different settings that they are encountering. Because what happens a lot of times is that in that case, we might see where there might be some transfer of skills depending on how they're being worked on in the direct therapy setting. You can absolutely use that model effectively if you're working on the right skills to teach students skills that can generalize to other situations. And and again, that, that depends on what you're working on with your students. But there are many cases where there is very narrow transfer, which just, just means that students might be able to do it within that structured setting, but then they have no application of skills to other, 
other situations because of a number of things. It might be because of the way they're being worked on in that therapy session. It might be because there is nobody else in that child's life who is aware of what's going on in that setting. And as a result, other people don't necessarily know how to scaffold and support and facilitate so the student can take what's going on in that therapy setting and apply it to other situations. And and as a result, it just there are there are many students who just don't move forward as as quickly as we'd want. And the other thing to think about is that a lot of times therapists, they have all of this knowledge and expertise, and they are just only using a small percentage of it, where they're, they might be spending a lot of time thinking about how they can make an impact in their sessions, which is a huge part of their jobs, but they can also make a big impact by sharing their knowledge with other people. And so that is why I say when we think about service delivery, what this is, is we're really just thinking bigger about how we can make an impact. And that means thinking about other things that we do outside of direct therapy to support it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the different types of intervention and some of the terms that are kind of common when we're thinking about services and and therapy. So obviously we have things like direct instruction. So how this is typically applied is that you might have the general education classroom where it's the uh, the curriculum that most kids get when they're going through the school systems. And then we might have some special education instruction as well, where you might have students who are getting some additional supports. And then we might have specific interventions. And again, this kind of overlaps with special education, where we might have a student who is getting some type of intervention above and beyond the typical general education instruction. And then we have things like therapy, where there is some type of a skilled clinician who is working on some skills above and beyond the typical instruction in addition to the intervention. And again, intervention and therapy kind of overlap, uh, instruction and intervention kind of overlap as well. So I'm not saying that these terms are mutually exclusive, but they're just one of the, some of the things that we think about when we think about uh, planning our services. And something else to note is that these are specific types of service delivery. One way we can provide services for students is that we can provide them with instruction in a general education setting. And that instruction might have certain supports built in, but it is one model. It's one service delivery model for serving students. Same with specialized interventions that, you know, again, they they may be something that isn't necessarily considered a therapeutic intervention. Maybe it's something that's delivered by a special education teacher that is specific in nature, but it's not exactly therapy, might be very similar. And then we have other specific therapies, you know, again, provided by social workers, psychologists, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, recreational therapists, um, a number of other different therapists. So again, and those things overlap with intervention, but again, those are things that we would want to consider in a specific service delivery model. And a lot of times when people think about planning and when we're thinking about what are the strategies that we're using, they're thinking 
specifically about one of these models. In my experience, based on my background, because I'm a speech pathologist, typically in, in my situation, we're thinking about therapy. So a lot of professional development is focused on direct therapy techniques, and that's really important, but it is just one model of providing a service and one model of providing intervention. And so we absolutely want to be proficient in all of these things, but if we are going to make an impact, we also have to think about other models as well, aside from just this direct intervention that is what we typically talk about. So here are some other models that we can think about when we're thinking broader about service delivery. And again, when we're thinking about what students need, we want to start with this. Because when you are planning your day and you're figuring out what are the things that I need to do in order to be prepared for my day to support my students, we don't just want to think about the traditional therapy. What happens in a lot of cases, in my experience with therapists, is that they're starting to, they start with planning for their therapy sessions. And then all of these other things, such as training and resources and consultation and collaboration are sort of afterthoughts. But really, we need to start by thinking about all of these things equally, because we need to figure out how to design each one of them effectively. So when we think about planning, we shouldn't just be thinking about you know, what worksheets am I doing with my students? What is What are my lesson plans? We should also be creating plans for how we consult and collaborate. Because what happens a lot of times it's, you know, okay, I should go and talk to this teacher. I should go talk to this person. I'm going to be, you know, maybe I'm pulling a student out of their class and I need to let them know what's going on. And we don't necessarily approach those types of interactions with the same level of planning and rigor that we might do with our therapy sessions when really in order for us to be effective, we should be considering all these things equally when we are figuring out how to plan our day. So obviously we have a number of different things. We have consultation and collaboration. So again, consulting with other professionals that you work with and collaborating with them, whether it be just um, you're sitting down and you're dividing up all of the different skills that a student might need to work on and figuring out who's going to work on what, or whether it means collaborating on a specific lesson that you do together, or just consulting. Again, I, obviously those things, there's some overlap there, but with a consultation, I see that more as um, it's it's different than more of a coaching training situation because if you're if you're consulting, you're kind of just telling someone you're kind of just giving them advice on what to do. Um, obviously, with that type of a thing, there are is there's a lot of nuance to doing that effectively because you have to have the relationship with the person in order to do that. So, for example, if you're a therapist, you're you're an outside person who's not normally in that classroom and you approach it like a consultant, and it's not necessarily something that a teacher, for example, is expecting. They're not necessarily coming to you for advice, and you're telling them what to do. Obviously, that's not going to be well-received, whereas if they are specifically asking you for help, then it's going to be very different. You are going to be in a place where you're going to be able to give specific advice. So, we have to think about all of those nuances when we think about all of those things. And, and these are some of the things that I'm going to get into in the leadership section, navigating all of these different models. I say training and creating resources because this is going to be a huge thing. So in addition to consultation and collaboration, um, you are 
Also want to think about what resources you need to create and what training you can be doing. So with consultation, again, that's that's typically more of a, um, it, it can be something that is not necessarily a formal training. There's, again, it's more of like a, a meeting type of a thing, whereas a training could be something that you do to a large group. And it can also be something that can be kind of prepackaged and used over and over again. With the resources, this again can be, these can be assets that you create that you give to people in order to train them in some of the things that they need to know in order to be able to support their students. So this can be a huge part of how you uh, spend your time is doing that training. So this can be training between colleagues. This can also be training parents. That is going to be a huge part of helping kids be successful because with a lot of the skills that we need to teach students, there there are some academic skills, obviously, that you can address in the school systems, but for certain skills, there does need to be some adequate scaffolding and support in the home environment for kids to be able to be fully independent. Um, The other thing that we want to think about in service delivery is getting trained by others. So when you are engaging in that consultation and collaboration, we want to approach it not just by sharing our knowledge with other people, but also gaining knowledge. Sometimes we need to step into the student role and we're the ones that are consulting and getting information. So that is an aspect of service delivery as well, because often we need to learn what we can be doing in our sessions or in our classrooms in order to be able to to support students. So we have to think about it from both angles. We have to ask ourselves the questions of how am I training and sharing my knowledge, but also how am I utilizing the knowledge and valuing the knowledge of the other people that I work with. Now, um, with with service delivery, again, there's there's a, a number of different formats that we can do this. So again, obviously, we've got the, um, you know, consulting and training and resources. And then we have things like the specific format of how we do our instruction, our intervention, or our therapy. So again, we may be doing classroom-based. So going into a classroom and doing some type of an intervention or providing a service or some kind of accommodations, we might be doing something that is community-based. So helping students to go out into the community to apply the skills that we might have taught them. And then we also might be utilizing a traditional therapy model, which again, typically this is referred to kind of a pullout model where you you pull the student or the client outside and it's kind of a, could be a one-on-one or a group setting, but it's, it's, they're in some kind of a separate, separate setting. And, and again, within special ed, obviously we have, you know, where there's more of a instructional pullout situation where there might be a direct special ed classroom. So that can be an additional model as well, obviously. But the reason that we want to think about this is because a lot of people, what they do is that they do it backwards, where again, they're focusing all their time on one thing, the traditional therapy, you know, what am I doing in my sessions versus thinking about all these things that they need to do. So a lot of times when I tell people that they need to focus on things like collaboration, they're on board with that. And they think, you know, of course I need to do that. But a lot of times the the challenge is how do I make time for this? And so people end up getting into survival mode and then end up just kind of focusing on 
on the, the, the direct therapy sessions or the, the lesson plans. And, and again, focusing on one very specific aspect of service delivery. So the reason why I say that we need to start with this is because what we want to do and, and how we actually do it is that we want to start what kids need first and then decide how to make that happen with your service delivery plan. And I'm going to give a specific example in a minute here, but but the reason that it doesn't make sense to start by asking the question, what should I do in therapy is because if you don't know the big picture of what's going on for that child and you're not regularly interacting with other people to figure out who's doing what, it's going to be really hard for you to make good decisions about what to do in therapy. And in many cases, what I share with, with a lot of the SLPs that I work with, and this applies to other therapists as well, is that a lot of times people ask, okay, when it comes to this specific skill. So for my, for my specific case, a lot of times it's for language. What do I do? What is my job when it comes to language? So I can certainly give advice on that. I can give frameworks as far as where I think the scope lies, where you, where your specific people are qualified to intervene. But the reason that that is challenging and the reason that it's, it, I can't necessarily say this is exactly what you should do in all of your sessions. And this is exactly how you can decide who does what is because it's highly context specific based on the assets that people have in that given situation. So for example, one person might have, you know, they might be working in a school and their student might be getting therapy from a, an outside therapist. And so there is another person who might be working on specific skills and doing some training with parents. And then that student might also have services from a special education teacher and multiple therapists. So a student like that, that has multiple people working with them, their service delivery plan and how I might mentor a specific therapist to plan their sessions is going to depend on what all the other people are doing. So what I would recommend for that therapist, as far as what are the high priority skills for you to be doing in therapy, where do you need to be spending your time training other people depends on that context. That would be very different from someone who maybe is just getting like, let's say that they are just getting services from a special education teacher and a speech pathologist, for example, or maybe they're just getting services from a speech pathologist, which is a scenario that comes up a lot. So in those types of situations, you have to evaluate the situation and the assets and then figure out based on that child's unique skills, based on what is available in that particular setting, you have to figure out how to design the service delivery plan accordingly. And then that's what's going to tell you what skills do I actually work on when I am with the student? Who do I need to train? What do I need to train them in? All of those things are going to be dependent on what the kid needs and then also what is available. So that's why we have to start there. That's going to help make a lot of other decisions further down the line versus just thinking about, okay, what do I need to do in my therapy session? And then thinking about those other things. That way is 
backwards because it doesn't take the context into account. And so that's why I often want to know those things. And I would often recommend people that you, they start with a framework rather than some kind of a scripted curriculum when we're thinking about specialized services, because with a framework, there's some flexibility built in to where you can customize it depending on your situation. And, you know, you you consider your scope, you consider the scope of other people, you consider where your scope is overlapping and what makes sense for who to address what and all of those things. But again, it's, it's hard for me to say, you know, the speech pathologist should be doing this and the social worker should be doing this and a special education teacher should be doing this. Obviously, there's a starting point based on what is common and what people's typical scopes are, depending on you know what I know about their, um, their background and what they're able to address. But we have to start with that context. We have to start with the needs and the assets and then design the service delivery plan accordingly, because this is what's going to inform therapy and instruction. It's not the other way around. We don't start with the instruction and then therapy and try to piece it together because that's where it ends up being very disjointed and, and confusing. So uh, the other thing I wanted to end with is that we regularly have to deal with constraints, especially if you're in a school. Even if you're not in a school, you're probably working with students who, who do go to school. And so you're probably collaborating with people who are. And so that means that we have to deal with real life constraints. And that can be very frustrating because the tendency for people is to, um, you know, I do see a lot of black and white thinking here where it's kind of like, I, you know, they feel like there's what the the current setup for them is so far off from what is ideal that they feel like there's nothing that they can do about it. Um, They feel like they aren't able to be effective. And, and that is, you know, somewhat legitimate because there are real life constraints with, with laws about caseloads and with, funding in the schools and all of those things. So I'm certainly not denying that those things exist. But when we start with service delivery and we think about our assets in a cohesive system, it's going to make it a lot easier for us to, number one, work within the constraints and be as effective as we possibly can with what we have available. It's going to help us be more resourceful. And it's going to help us to cover more ground with our therapy because maybe we are in a situation where we have a big caseload, we don't see students as much as we want, and we would love to be able to work further within our scope and work on more skills in a direct setting with a student. Uh, Maybe there are things that we just can't get to because we don't have enough time and bandwidth. But if we think about the other ways and we think flexibly about the way we can be of service through other models, it does help us expand our reach because we might not be able to address all of those skills specifically, but we might be able to train somebody else to do some of the things that we can't get to. I always tell my uh, my therapist that I mentor, I say, just you, you have your scope you can work on a lot of these things. You're qualified to work on these things directly. And what we need to do is figure out what does the child need. But just because you are qualified to deliver that thing that the child needs doesn't mean you're the only person qualified to deliver what that child needs. 
So if you are a case manager, especially, and you are one of the ones that's, you know, being a leader and one of the primary people who is designing a plan for a student, you want to think about what does a child need and how do we give it to them? And you don't necessarily have to always be the one that's doing that. You might be able to delegate it to other people by training them and training them to do what you do. Obviously, you want to be strategic about that because there are certain things that you should be doing directly, but we really want to expand our reach because that's what's going to help students get better outcomes. And when we work within our constraints in this way, what that does is it allows us to be more efficient with how we use our time. It helps us to have more clarity with what we're doing. That's going to reduce burnout, and that's going to put us in a place where we can work towards removing those constraints. And I'm not saying that this is going to be a magical thing that happens overnight. I'm not saying that we're going to be able to remove all the constraints, but if we are in fight or flight mode, if we are barely treading water and we are just going day to day and not thinking big picture, it can be really hard to put yourself in a place where you can be a, an ally and an advocate for your students and an advocate for your profession. So really getting this cohesive service delivery model is going to help you to be more efficient and work with what you have. But also when you work with what you have, then that helps to put you in a place where you can figure out how to how to figure out ways to get more. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap up here. And in one of the upcoming videos, I'm going to give you one of the specific examples um, for how this might look. Um, one of the things that has kind of inspired me to, to design this model and think about things this way just to give you some context. So I think this is a good place to wrap up here. I will talk about those things in an upcoming video. Thank you again for listening. Again, if you are a pediatric therapist and you wanna make a bigger impact on your caseload, then definitely check out the School of Clinical Leadership. You can get more information about how to join by going to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash clinical leadership. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash clinical leadership. So now remember that it helps me out so much to get this information into the hands of people who need it. If you share this episode with your friends and colleagues, or if you leave me a rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. 
Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.